Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. Here's your host, Chris Lee. Commodore fans, on your feet, it's time to anchor down. Welcome to the Vandy Sports Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Lee. I am recording this on Wednesday afternoon, the day before Thanksgiving. You may notice some things about this podcast immediately. I am doing this from my in-laws place in Colorado. I'm out here for Thanksgiving, and so I did not pack my normal audio equipment. So the sound quality is going to sound a little different today. I do apologize for that. It was just too much to pack up and take out here. Number two, the internet connection for this podcast got a little unstable at times. You will hear segments of the podcast where you can't hear either of us for a few seconds at a time, but it doesn't last much longer than that. So when you come to that in the podcast, just know it's coming. Again, my apologies. And with that, let's get straight to our podcast today with CBass. Joins us as he does every week. He is in Jackson, Tennessee. I'm actually out in Colorado this week uh, going to watch, well, what would have been my nephew's final game. Uh, He has torn up his knee, but we're headed out to Wyoming. So I'll be watching Wyoming live and probably be watching, uh, if it doesn't kill our data plan, (laughs) a little Vandy UT or maybe a lot of Vandy UT from the stands at the same time. So it's it's going to be a busy week for me. Uh, I know it's always busy for you, but it, it is Tennessee week, and it has come up upon us quickly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. By the way, have you been to more Vanderbilt games or Wyoming games this year? Uh, it is even. They have limited us to one credential, so I've been to two. This will be my third Wyoming game, which we made a point before the season. This is Aiden's last year. Um, and, and so I, I did not want to miss any of his, we, you know, we went to one in Chicago or Northern Illinois, and then we got to come out here to two. Um, unfortunately, the other two games were before he hurt his knee, but, um, I think people know my nephew is really special to me. Uh, he is right now tied up. Uh, I went to visit him yesterday. He's sitting at home on his parents' couch. He's got one of these knee contraptions. I've never seen these before, but they make him to where you can now, uh, they hook him up into this big brace. And what happens is it will actually bend your knee slowly back and forth, even when you're sleeping to help you rehab it. And his goal is to no. to get to the com or not to the combine. He won't be well by then, but he's going to go uh, live in Laramie. He's finished with school. Actually, he's got his second mat or second undergraduate major completed, I think, but he's going to stay up in Laramie. Um, and use all their facilities. He's got an agent, thinks he can get a free agent contract with somebody for the coming season. So I, I sure hope he's right. You know, I I think I think I remember us playing Wyoming in basketball several years ago. They play him this year. Did you know that? They play him this season. This year? No, I do. did not know that. Do, have we ever played them in football? Uh, I would have to look at a media guide, which I don't have in front of me, but I don't believe they have. I don't remember ever playing Wyoming. You know, well, I'm sure maybe somewhere before, you know, I was born or something like that maybe, but I don't ever remember playing Wyoming in football. Well, and I, I never mentioned this, uh, and I, I probably won't mention any more than this, but, you know, of course, Vanderbilt played Colorado State. Um, I, I, will, I will not disclose the identity, but that was, a, that was an interesting game because I, I may have a future brother-in-law on that team. I know who it is. Yeah, you you know I'm not going to mention them on the podcast, but anyway, 
for the right price, I could be bought off. <laughs> you you could, but that that was that was interesting <laughs> watching because uh, I was actually we were watching Aiden in Chicago this year in Northern Illinois, uh, and then I was in the lobby of the Marriott or wherever we were, and and trying to catch you know trying to watch Colorado State. Uh, and Vandy and cover that one from TV. And then I, I had to scramble. I had a closed restaurant lobby and I brought all my podcasting and video equipment with me. And I, I was holed up in a closed restaurant in the hotel lobby in the Marriott about two in the morning doing a post game show. Right. Yeah. Man, I, I, I kind of I think I'd like to see a home and home. I'd like to go to Wyoming, first of all. I'd like to see a, a home and home with, with uh, Vanderbilt and Wyoming. By the way, is am I insane? Are we getting ready to play Hawaii pretty soon? Uh, they are opening next season in Hawaii, which is I'll get a scouting report on Hawaii because that's who Wyoming is playing Saturday. Good grief! Yeah, I think. And we, do we go to Wyoming next year? Uh, no, they go to Hawaii next year. I mean, not Wyoming. Excuse me, I'm in Hawaii. It's the season opener. The season opener is in Hawaii. The day, or, yes, it, it's in Hawaii. I don't know what time of the day or night it'll be either. I hadn't thought of that until just now, but they could be playing at three in the morning for all I know, or however that works, well, right? They won't be playing at three, and yeah, they won't be playing at three in the morning. Uh, but, but uh, I tell you what, I'm will. You want to go? Me and you? We'll go. We'll go to the game. We've had this conversation on the podcast before, haven't we? Not to go to Hawaii that I know of. I have tried, but I'd be, I'd be down to go. Tried numerous times to talk my wife into taking the family to Hawaii to intersect with some kind of vanderbilt trip, right? Because I can I can write that off on my taxes, the appropriate portion, and and I think I've said this on the podcast before. There's only two states I've never been to, and that's one of them. Um, so I keep trying. I'm like, you know, I want to go to I want to want to go to Hawaii sometime. I'm like, why not do it? when we can write part of it off on our taxes as a legit business expense. But I have, I have fought this battle several times and I have not won it yet. I've been to 48 States. I've been to 13. What? <laughs> I need to get, uh, you know, what do you, I, I got stuff to do, man. Oh, I know. <laughs> 48 States. Good grief. Well, we'll talk it over. If, if mama don't want to go to Hawaii with you, I will. Yeah, well, I have a feeling the family's not going with me. I'm not going. So, <laughs> but we we can always try. Uh, the worst whoa. I can the worst I can get is a no. Yeah, that gets lost on a bachelor. I can't relate to that. <laughs> right, right. So, where we headed? I'm good for whatever. Well, something occurred to me this week, right? Because this has been right. the theme that I have had all year. I said I I don't think the team is going to be very good. In fact, let me share a little nugget I got this week, and I, and I will not – I don't want to disclose my source or even the coaching staff, but there was there was a staff of – it was on their schedule this year, and I was told by somebody in that media market that they sized Vanderbilt up as a – basically a middle-of-the-pack team, which formerly was Division one double A. I know that's you, you broke up. We didn't hear what you said. A, a oh, middle of the pack what? A middle of the pack FCS team. In other words, they are in in terms of another another SEC staff evaluating their talent. Uh, they they believe that Vanderbilt this year is basically a middle of the pack FCS team. Well, that that's not true. Well, I, mean, I, I, I think good. it's 
I think I think that's a little bit of an overstatement. Like you can look in Sagarin right yeah. now, and there's probably um, they're 143 this week, which means there's probably 20 or right. 25 teams ahead of them. By the way, ETSU's 10 and one. So not that that was there in the playoffs. Yeah, I uh, know. Not that that was a good loss, but that's not what what. Um, by the way, there's a point to all this. That that's not. It's not as bad as we thought it was. But the thing well, I've said all along is. I was not going to be hung up on the win loss record, and I still don't think they've okay. had a good year. I'm not, I'm not exactly raving about the job the coaching staff has done, um, especially on the offensive side. But there is this. I was thinking this week. Okay. Um, okay. What I've said is, I, I just want to see them get better, and and like maybe I have a fighting shot. If you look back, their last five games now. Okay, this run started with. They lose a game to South Carolina that they probably should have won. I think we both agree on that. And and that, at the time, didn't mean a lot, right? right. Uh, because South Carolina was awful. Now South Carolina is 6-6 six and six and, or 6-5 six and five and going to a bowl. Not a great team, but that would have been a nicer win at the time than we knew. Uh, the next week they get blown out by Mississippi State, which is now a top 25 team. Let's just put that one aside. They looked awful. But they follow up the next week with the Missouri team – that's going to a bowl. And if they can get a stop late in the game uh, where Tyler Beatty breaks a 60-yard run, they force a punt. Who knows? Maybe they have a chance for a game-winning drive, right? Then you go to the next week. They play a dreadful first half against Kentucky, but they didn't quit. Um, and they won the second half, what, 14 to nothing, I guess. And, again, you, you can say that maybe Kentucky – was disinterested or whatever. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong, but the point is Vanderbilt controlled the party control. And then you look at last week, where I don't think either of us for a minute expected they would go to Oxford uh, and have the ball with two minutes left to try to get within a score. Um, so here's what I'm getting at, okay? I go back to the start of the season. It's been a dreadful season. It's been hard to cover, hard to watch. Not a lot of positives in there. But if you want to go for a rolling five-game sample now, that's four or five games that they have been in against SC. Well, I wouldn't say they were really in the Kentucky game, but at least they salvaged something. That's at least three out of five SEC games that they were – they had a fighting shot to win in the last, say, three or four minutes. It, maybe that's maybe that's doing right. – maybe that's a little no, much, but right. – And so I, I look back on it now, and it's like all of a sudden, a misery this season – um, and look, maybe maybe they get blown out by Tennessee, and and it all seems moot. But if they go up there and they play a good game, I don't expect them to win. I think you can look back and say they did make some progress. And and again, I I, I tell the story about the talent to say this staff was going to have a tough. I know it didn't look good at times. I know at times it seemed like the coaching didn't help them. But that was another staff's assessment of the talent level and where they are which tells you how hard this was. So I think my point is, if they go to Knoxville and they can make this respectable well in the second half, um, I think you at least have to feel a little bit better heading into next season. Well, here's why that person's wrong. Um, are we good? By no means. Come on. But a middle-of-the-pack FCS team is not going to win at Colorado State, beat Connecticut, have a real chance with Stanford. I mean, they absolutely had a chance till the last two minutes of the first half, and they completely imploded upon themselves. But since that Florida game, in which, I mean, 
you know, if they played now, I'm not so sure Vanderbilt wouldn't beat them. But, but since that Florida game, South Carolina, Missouri, Kentucky, Mississippi, Mississippi, good grief, Ole Miss, they're in the chunk to have a chance to win the South Carolina game, should have won it, could have had a chance to win the Missouri game. They weren't really going to win the Kentucky game, but I'll live with 34-17 to 17 against a solid Kentucky team. And I'll be honest with you, if we could have capitalized more, especially getting closer towards the red zone, Miss Ole Miss, uh, look, we moved the football up and down the field. And I'll say this to you, you can talk about whatever Ole Miss did or did not have in that game. fact of the matter is I felt like the defense, I know they gave up a bunch of yardage, but considering that it's Ole Miss, a top 10 team with the best quarterback of the country and one of the most explosive offenses, I, they kept, they made it beyond, extremely respectable. Remember, that was, they were 35 and a half point dogs. They lost by 14. And if they make a few plays here and there, it may be even closer than that. There's no middle-of-the-pack FCS team that is going to, in that many games, that's going to do that. Now, you know, I mean, this this is not moral victories, but I'm telling you right now, middle-of-the-road FCS teams, just average old teams, they're not doing that. They can't. Not over the whole the totality of a season. That person's dead wrong. I don't care that they're a college football coach, that they're there. They're wrong about that. Yeah, I, I think that assessment's a little much, but I'll go through Sagarin and see where they've got them rated if they were an FCS team, and I'll I'll throw the floor back to you. Hello. Well, go ahead then. No, I, I said I'll 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 let I'll look that up while I let you speak. Oh, I thought you were going to tell me and then see what I thought about what you had to say. Uh, you know, you can pull the numbers out there if you want, but I mean, I'm right about this. Look, look this is. That's just the way that it is. We can talk about here and now, here and there, and a couple of games here. But with that schedule, which, by the way, no FCS team faces anything remotely close to that. None of them, not the very best, faces a schedule like that. You know, I'm sorry, they just don't. And and the more you compound one game after the other, it gets tougher and tougher and tougher. That's something that no FCS team deals with. So you just can't. I, don't, I mean, look, I know we love to put formulas together because it gives us the ability to compartmentalize, but I am telling you right now, no middle-of-the-pack FCS team could have that schedule and by the end of it be looking old Miss in the eye. I'm sorry. Can't do it. Not possible. Okay, Sagarin rates 24 FCS teams higher than them. East Tennessee State – uh, is ahead of them. ETSU is 134. Looking at his predictor, if they played again, uh, Vanderbilt will be a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home. They're almost dead even, and then you give three points for home field, um, if that applies to Vanderbilt anymore. How many teams are currently playing FCS football right now? Oh, it's it's probably – let's see. Well, you've got you've got 258 teams rated, so there's 130 in the FBS. That'd be 128. Okay, so for us to be middle of the pack, that'd be in the 60s. And you said right now, currently Vanderbilt would be a two and a half point favorite over a team who's in the playoffs right now. Uh, at home, if it's on an, if it's at ETSU, it's, uh, well, well, it's three okay. and a half. But okay, neutral field, it's a pick. That's fine, but you see my. You see my point. I mean, basically, okay, we'll, we'll call it a neutral neutral field. Pick them in one of the top 25 teams, and there's 120-something. So how are we mid-pack? 
See what I mean? Doesn't add up. No, I, mean, I look. I, 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 it's, it's anecdotal. It's the, the point being that other teams see them and go, "How are they even competitive?" Right, uh, and, and that's the point I'm trying to make is they were dealt this coaching staff, and again, it didn't help itself, but they were dealt a pretty bad hand in terms of talent and. I wanted to see what can you make of it by the end of the season. And it, it appears that they are making some progress. That would be – I don't mean to this to be a quibble of whether, <laughs> whether they're an upper, you know, an upper 25% FBS team or a 50 – I mean, if we even have that discussion, that tells you the state of things. I don't want to get bogged down in the weeds there. I, I just – my point was, again, um, there, there appears to be some signs of some improvement. There, there are. And I mean, because think about this. I want you to think about this for a second, Chris. I want you to think about us going into an offseason with this team playing the way that it did against Florida and Mississippi State. If they finished out the season that way, you know, didn't have chances against South Carolina or Missouri. And I know those aren't the better teams in the SEC, but that doesn't matter. Uh, being competitive, you know, if some other things go right with Kentucky, we go, not really Kentucky, we weren't winning that game. We probably weren't winning Ole Miss. But the fact of the matter is offensively, especially that second half, uh, we could have taken advantage a little bit more offensively. Rocco Griffin had a very good game in there. The offensive line looked better. We looked more physical overall. So, you know, are we good? No. Could we easily get blown out by Tennessee? To be sure. But that doesn't change the fact that this team is playing better football at the end of the season. And think about it. That's kind of hard to get a team to do that that had been playing as poorly as they were. You know, I mean, they 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 were getting when they got beat down, they got beat down, you know, like the beat down. That hasn't really happened much lately outside of that Mississippi State game. And they've played much more respectable football. Is that good enough for me? No. Do I want to play just respectable football and keep losing? No. I'm ready to start winning football games. This is going to be two straight years winless in the Southeastern Conference, and nobody is okay with that. Neither am I. But I agree with you. This team has played better football in the last month of the season. You know, and you know who knows what happens in the offseason with the transfer portal and whatever. But, I mean, to me – that's a good sign because it says, you know, look, the play calling got better uh, and, and it wasn't nearly as chaotic. I mean, there were times earlier in the season where I was like, dear Lord, this is a clown show. I didn't see that. I just saw a team who has been getting beaten the last month and a half by better football teams, you know, but there, there looks like maybe there's a plan, you know, that we can get something together. And, you know, this was – Chris, was this ever going to be a bowl season for us? No, no. You know, we, we, we knew what it was. Uh, but I do see signs of progress. And, frankly, right now that's all I'm after. I found an interesting other little thing because, again, when the season goes the way it goes, you look for little things, Right. Uh, and I did right. a stat I'll call penalty differential. I wanted to look up what were your penalty yards a game and what was what were the opponents that you're playing against? What were they getting in terms of penalties a game? They are – Vanderbilt's being penalized 43.4 a game, which ranks, I think, second in the SEC. Uh, no, third never guess who's first by the way but and then they are getting 
the opponents are getting 69 yards of penalties against them, which is the best in the league. So they've got almost a 26-yard advantage in penalties a game. Now, again, we watch them at times, the pre-snap penalties and those sorts of things. But you tend to remember what you see on your team, you know, the, the good and the bad, and you, you sort of maybe at times magnify those. But just looking at it objectively, they are benefiting more from penalties than anybody in the league. So th- there is an element of discipline in here compared to some other teams they're playing. Um, you know, and, and maybe I don't know if opposing penalty yards is a fluke or if it's um, – having to hold to keep you off their quarterback or whatever. I don't know what that means. I've not tracked it over years, but I just looked it up to see what it would show. Uh, and they are coming out better in the league than anybody. By the way, the worst team is Florida, which comes up negative 27 in penalty yards every game. And LSU actually at 32 yards a game is the least penalized team in the league, which I would not have thought that doesn't really go with the narrative <laughs> of the job Ed Orgeron is doing. So maybe this is meaningless. I don't know, but it just is. It's not meaningless, but you know when when it's when it's bogging you down and you're losing football games. There's nothing more frustrating, especially if you're a good team, talent-wise, doing dumb stuff uh, that gets you beat. Uh, that that's when it really gets frustrating. Uh, that's indicators. You know, it's hard enough the conference, but when you have when you're going to beating yourself as with the opponents that we play, it becomes an impossibility. But if you go in there and you know, and look, you know, well, a lot of things have to go right for us, but one thing that's not going to happen is us beating ourselves with stupid penalties. It's it, uh, again, you know, I mean, this is not where I want to be, but there are some positive indicators that, that say, you know, that there's reasons to have hope going forward. Now, one thing I will say in rebuttal a little bit, it seems like when they get a penalty, a lot of times it is at the most inopportune time. Um, And I really think sometimes there's been a little disconnect in the way that they move the ball and in terms of being able to get that in the points. And a lot of times you can look back and you can really look back on that at Ole Miss and say, man, it was was a penalty at the exact wrong time. So they've got to – they've got to at least improve in that. It does seem like even though they're not getting a lot of them, it seems like they pick a really bad spot to get one. Yeah, I mean, there's no, you know, there's no such thing as good. It'd be extremely frustrating. But, you know, look, we've horrible Vanderbilt teams who've also been just, just play stupid football, right, Chris? Just play stupid football. And there's, what's worse? There's not much worse than that when you just sit and you sit back and say, dear Lord, what are you thinking? How, how can you do this? You know, we're supposed to be professionals here. Do so, Show me something, you know, just constant false starts or just mental lapses. Not getting a whole heck of a lot of that. And, 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 and that's another thing that if a team is even, even a team that's a two win team is still mentally in the football game. I mean, did they lose in Oxford because they had mental breakdowns? No. No, they, they 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 lost in Oxford because they weren't able to to take full advantage of some of the opportunities that Ole Miss gave them in the second half. Chris, that was a 31-17 game, but I'm telling you, and was that the best effort that Ole Miss has ever had? No, but I'm telling you now, a couple plays here and there, things happened differently in that second half, and I'm not saying they win in Oxford, but I think it's even more interesting than it was. Again, that was a five touchdown spread. 
they were what minus twenty one in yards. Really good against that kind of team. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I mean, I, you know, I'll, I'll just tell you this: the the team, the last time we played a Mississippi team, <laughs> and and then now. Very different effort, and who's who's a better team between the two? We'll find out uh, this week. But I, you know, I mean, I, I saw I saw a team that wanted to be competitive. I saw a team uh, that flashed ability. And again, I don't know about you, but I was more impressed probably with the physical nature of uh, of the team this time around. You know, they they looked like they belong a little bit more. You know, they didn't get overwhelmed. And look, Matt Corral and that offense. They have a way of making defenses look pretty stupid. If I would have told you, let me ask you this, Chris. If I told you after the Mississippi State game or the Florida game or the Georgia game that Ole Miss was only going to score 31 points, you wouldn't have thought Matt Corral even played, would you? No, I, I might not have thought their second-team quarterback played at that point. Yeah. No, you would have thought that bare minimum that set the half. You know, And maybe at the end of the first quarter or early stages of the second quarter, Four quarters, gave up 31 points. That's going to give you a chance against a team like Ole Miss many times. Uh, by the way, to tie up one loose end, I, I did look up in the Sagarins. They would basically be about a 10-point favorite on the neutral field over a mid-level FCS team. So if you want a an objective, yeah. unbiased opinion of that, that's, that's what the computers say. But, um, hey, I know you don't have all day to do this. And by the way, uh, if the broadcast doesn't sound as good as it usually does, I'm having a little bit of an issue with the internet connection here, uh, so I do apologize for that. But um, I'm ready to go into the mailbag if you are. I, I do have one question before you go to the mailbag. Sure. Can I watch the game? Can I watch the game tonight? Man, I'm having the same issue. We are doing this at about three. We started this around three thirty. Central Time, and this is the night they play Pitt. Of course, I'm out here. Um, my in-laws do not have the ACC network, which is where it's on. I don't know that we have another option. I, I looked on my my guy, my cable guide, and I don't see an ACC network. I have Charter, and I don't see an ACC network available for me to even try to order from. So how does one go about getting the ACC network here? You probably pay a premium. You know, is there a little, some kind of phone app or some kind of thing? I know you got all them little gadgets. Is there anything? I would really like to watch this basketball game. Yeah, I, I'm, you I'm know, in the I'm, same boat I'm with I'm you. I'm off tonight, and I would like to sit back and, 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 and watch this team. I really would. I expect the answer is that you're going to have to contact your cable network and upgrade your package for, for a month. I don't know if there's another way. Yeah. yeah I don't, well, you know, we have a local Buffalo Wild Wings. I don't know if that would be a way to do it. I would call uh, and ask if, if so, I guess. Yeah, I may call up there and see if that's the case. But, uh, you know, this team, I'll be interested to see what this team looks like when Chapman and Robbins get back. You know, Man, there's, I, there's potential on the team. I'm in the same boat. I, I feel like tells us something about what the ceiling might look might look like with Jerry if they get those guys healthy. Um, if, if they don't. Yeah. yeah. Now, I will give you the caveat, right? I think the SEC in basketball is the best it's been 
and we don't know yet right now. We're just kind of guessing. We're going by the computers. But if you look at Ken Palm, Ken Palm loves the SEC right now. And I suspect the other computers do as well. And so I think the issue is I think this is probably the best the league has been, um, oh, maybe since at least – Oh five, oh six. Some that the time. Remember when Florida won back to back national titles? I feel like the league has not I been do. as good. I don't, I don't feel like the league's been as good since then, and uh, as it is now. Uh, maybe maybe my memory fades, but I feel like like Florida was good. Vandy was good at the time. Tennessee was good at the time. Kentucky was okay at the time. Uh, I just feel like I don't remember a time in the last fifteen years where maybe the league's been better than that. I may I may have missed a year somewhere. Uh, I'm doing this off the top of my head. I, I think that's the one thing that I will couch that by is saying, and I've said this, you've heard me say this all year, but I think the league is looking even better than I thought. Uh, that That is the, the bad thing is I don't think this is going to be comparing it to a normal year in the league because I think you've got, I think you've got eight pretty good teams in this league. And I would include Ole Miss as probably the eighth of that bunch. Well, but for me right now, which, I mean, I, I agree with you completely. I mean, it's really, really good conference. Um, I'm focusing on us right now. And, you know, with those other two, I mean, obviously there's going to be much better additions and we, and, and, and our interior game is going to look a lot better. I think it just have to, but you know, what's good about this team so far, I know me, I mean, you know, the VCU game was what it was and people went crazy and I understand that, but I also remind everybody that they also gave up 48 points in that game. You know, that's, yeah. you know, there, there's another side to that coin, but the other side is, you know, I, I think a lot of people thought, especially with Robbins and Chapman out that going into this season, it was just, Good grief. If Pippen doesn't have a big night, we're dead. Well, that hasn't been the case because now all of a sudden you've got a reinvented Jordan Wright, who was just such a nice role player the first year or two, but now he's creating his own shot. He's hitting from the outside. He's clearly more athletic with the weight loss attacks, the rim, and he's a scoring source that you weren't expecting. What about a guy like Ty Lawrence? I mean, he had his breakout game, and he showed a level of explosion and playmaking ability uh, that that takes a little pressure off of two. You know, uh, you know. Look, this is look. Is Pippen our best player? Yeah, because duh. But the fact that some of these other guys are stepping up and becoming legitimate scoring threats, and man, guys like Man banging in the paint. I know he's undersized, but uh, hustling, playing hard. You throw them in there, and when Chapman and Robbins come back, and if they do what you expect and all these other guys continue to play at that level, are we going to win the SEC? No, but I could see us being competitive most nights. When them guys get back, if these other guys continue to play and develop, I mean, this is not a one-trick pony. There's other people you have to worry about on this team, and I'll be real interested to see what we look like when those two teams, when those two cats get back and hopefully they can get back healthy. If they do, I'm not saying Final Four, good grief. I'm just saying this is going to be a much more complete basketball team, and it'll be of us a true gauge of just exactly where they are. And, you know, given that, and and you know how much I love this class that'll be coming in this next season, I mean, given where we've been, Chris, over the last couple of years, it's there is absolutely reason for optimism. Is it true that the conference is great? 
fantastic. No doubt about it. And everything's relative, and I get that. This season of the Vandy Sports Podcast is made possible by my friend, Dr. Jody Jones, DDS. When it comes to general or cosmetic dentistry services, Jody is the best in Nashville. And just check out his client list. It testifies to that. He sees movie stars, music stars, athletes, coaches, you name it. Jody is the dentist of choice for stars in Nashville. But he sees regular folks like you and I as well. And what people like about the experience is the ambiance. Someone described it to me as a tooth spa. I went in and looked at it myself. That's exactly what it is. It is a relaxing, friendly environment. So whether your dental needs are general or cosmetic, go see Jody. Call him at 615-270-2322. His office is located at 55 Music Square East, not far from downtown Nashville, not far from the Vanderbilt campus. Jody is a former Vanderbilt football player, a huge booster of Commodore Athletics. His support as the title sponsor for Season 7 is the reason we are able to do this podcast. Go see Dr. Jody Jones today. Thank him for his support of the Vandy Sports Podcast and tell him you heard about it here. I just I want to see consistent improvement, you know, and I, 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 you know, that last game, you know, against Winthrop, you know, now if they turn around and lay a turd tonight, it's, it's, you know, back to the drawing board. But I mean, I just like the fact that we're starting to have multiple options and Jerry Stackhouse is taking recruiting seriously now. And I really think that this team, you know, I've, I've been tired last couple of three, four years, Chris, I've never have expectations to beat another conference team. And that's not going to be the case this year. We're going to win some conference games. Are we going to go 500? I don't know if, if we play really, really well and everybody gets back healthy. But I think we're going to be going into conference games, even though the conference is as good as it's been. And we're going to play competitive basketball. And that's, man, you know, and eventually that's going to start turning into wins when you start getting more and more talent in here. Uh, you know, I think we're going to get significant, significant uh, contributions from our from our uh, from our transfers. So while I hate that we lost Dylan, I, I think some of the people that we're bringing into this program can significantly help. Now I don't know what Peyton Daniels was thinking, and at this point, really, I don't care. Uh, between what we've got here now and the four coming in, you know, I think there's going to be, uh, I think we're going to have a much deeper team. All right, I'm going to give you a maybe a one to two minute synopsis, and I'm going to see where you agree and where you disagree. Um, the 37-point night did not bother me as much as it did other people because I, they were, I think, 2 of 25 from 3. And if you just go 6 of 25, which is not good, if you just do the math, I mean, you can't really play it out that, that way, right? Because if it's a if it's a one- or two-point game down the stretch with Vandy winning, uh, the, the final minute or two plays differently. But just for argument's sake, let's say that it plays out that way. It's a much different game. They're not going to go 2 for 25 from three and and give VCU credit for that. Now, what bothered me was they were able to shut down Pippen almost completely. And I don't think that they've got enough other supporting offensive players. It's not that they don't have any, because you're right about Jordan Wright. And maybe Tyron Lawrence becomes that guy. But absent that, I'm just not a believer enough in the rest of the guys. So, and again, that's why I want to see Robbins and Chapman back, because I think that's more of a true gauge. And frankly, I don't know that the schedule so far has been a great gauge. Uh, Winthrop is is probably decent. Uh, Texas State's got a chance to be decent in its league. Uh, VCU, I don't know. I don't know what to make of those guys. It, that was just that, that that may be one of those November games we look at as a one off, and and 
you know, three months from now and, and who knows, right? Uh, no, the thing that does worry okay. me is I watch a lot of the rest of the league. And I just don't think – I don't even know that even with Robbins and Chapman back that they've got enough athleticism um, on anything other than their, their A game night to really win a lot of games against the top half of the league. I just think that the athleticism in this league right now is tremendous. Even getting Robbins, like you look at Auburn, Auburn's got a five-star big man. LSU's got a five-star freshman big man. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of talent in the paint in certain spots. So like, even when they have Robbins, that's, that might get neutralized a little bit. Uh, th- that's just my scattered thoughts. Um, I, again, I, I still think they got a shot for a decent season, uh, even with the league being tough. Uh, but just four games in, just seeing what I've seen and, and telling you what's going on in my head. That's kind of the way that I size them up at the moment. I get it, but you know what the big the the the, the big time post players you're talking about, which is cool. That's fine. And look, uh, is the goal to beat the top half of the SEC? Yeah, sure it is. But we haven't beaten anybody, so I'm not looking to go from the bottom of the SEC to being one of the top five or six teams uh, in, in one year. That's not going to happen, and I freely understand that. And yeah, those teams are bringing in some big post players, but you know, a guy like Robbins is a guy who's proven that he can hack it in the big 10, you know, and if you're playing freshman, you know, and I understand I was a basketball freshman can have that type of impact, but this is a guy that's been through some battles and been successful, a double digit score that can, that can make it happen in big 10 basketball. That's not really something we've had. We've had undersized, underweighted guys who got pushed around. And I don't know that he's the type of guy you're going to push around a whole bunch, you know, so we'll see. I mean, I'm not until we see it in action in the in the black and gold. You know, it's one thing what he did in Minnesota. And who knows? You know, and then with Chapman, I mean, there was a little bit of chatter about Chapman before he got hurt. You know, that he's going to be a real important piece for this basketball team, and I think he will be going forward. You know, Chris, last week, uh, you know, I'm a big Colts fan, right? Yeah, huge Colts fan. Uh, won our game against Buffalo. Lost my fantasy matchup in two two leagues that I'm in, in two fantasy leagues, Chris, and you'll see the point in just a second. Um, and in both leagues, I was going against Jonathan Taylor. Now, I could say, hey, he scored 53 points, and I only lost by five. You know, <laughs> And, and, and so it might be an anomaly on one of those nights because I actually played fairly well, but one guy had one of those nights. That's not scoring 53 points, scoring five touchdowns, something nobody had on his in his franchise had ever done before. You know, so that's not going to be the case every single night. And Vanderbilt is not going, you know, because yes, we could say if they'd have gone six instead of two of, then we would have won. But the the end result is all that matters, right, Chris? They lost. They didn't go six of. They went two of. But I think you're 100% right. That's not going to happen. This team's not going to shoot 10% or less, you know, like that. That's almost never going to happen. On that night, it did. The bigger concern, the far bigger concern uh, than that night of shooting, because that won't last. The bigger concern for most Vanderbilt fans is going to be it, the the lethargy that they saw. You know, I mean, 
how many how many different posts did you see? What the heck is going on? Pippen looks disinterested. There's clearly something going on, uh, or, you know, that may not have anything to do with basketball or whatever the case may be. But they seemed like they weren't right in la cabeza, in the head, that they weren't focused on that basketball game. They're not going to shoot ten percent. That's not going to happen, you know. But but being out, uh, you know, going into a game unfocused. You know, and, and not and not sharp. That can repeatedly happen. That's what I, I worry about. That way more than I would them going two of twenty something. I promise you that. Well, do you know what was different? Um, and November the seventeenth was the day they played VCU. Do you know what was different on November the eighteenth? What was different on November the eighteenth? There was a scholarship player who was no longer the team the next day. With with Peyton Daniels, yeah. Yeah, I don't know that that's 100% coincidental. You talked about the way they looked and body language and stuff. I think that I think that might have had something to do with it. That's based on a little bit of info. Okay, so the inference being addition by subtraction. Well, yeah, and, and look, emphasis on inference, though, I, I'm just taking the little part that I know and synthesizing it with, with your observation of the team that night and using a little bit of common sense. Um, and if you notice, yeah. they played much better the next time out. I would love to just come on here and say, what kind of person lets that affect them? Well, young people do. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I don't know what their, or what his deal was, but you know what? But I don't have to worry about that anymore. Um, we need to get to the mailbag here shortly if I'm going to get you out in the time that we agreed upon. Take, but, take your time. Take well, your time. I'm all okay. right. Okay. Well, in that case, um, a couple things I'm looking at Ken Palm's Vanderbilt page as of Wednesday afternoon. Vanderbilt is 81st in the country, predicted record 15 and 14. That will not be accurate because there are going to be two games in Hawaii that will be played that aren't on there because they don't know who they're going to play yet. That's number one. Number two, there's 7-11 in the league is a prediction. Uh, but a couple things that are really interesting, they are giving up at the foul line, what is this, 79, almost 80% of opponents' free throws. There's a little bit of bad luck there, but this is really interesting because uh, this is so atypical. And maybe it's just a four-game sample size. Uh, against four teams, none of which are ranked in Ken Palm's top 100. But they are first in the country in percentage of non-steal turnovers defensively. Um, their defensive effort's been a lot better. And right now, uh, they are ninth in the country in turnover percentage and number one in the country in turnovers that are not steals. So, again, I don't know what to make of that at this point. Um, you know, they wanted to get better on defense. Uh, and so far, they have been, according to this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, and that's these are the kind of things that you want. The, the the scoring and the shooting will come, but these are the type of you know this is how you win games. You know what I mean? I mean these these are the stats that I look for because this is not the NBA. They may not play NBA in the defense, but that gummit they do in college basketball still. And you want to win. You know, you force turnovers. You 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 play solid defense. You rebound. The scoring, you know, is is what it is. But I I I, talk, I like to tell people a couple of years ago in that Final Four, I thought it was you know because you know what's fun about basketball, Chris, about college basketball, the billions of different styles that they have. You know what I mean? I mean, there's so many different ways in the NBA, man. 
They just run up and down the court. They don't play any defense. Just run up and down the court and score as many points as they possibly can. And it's a completely perimeter laden game. It's just, that's, that's what it is. But in college, you got so many different de- types of, of, of offenses you face and defenses that, that, that come after you. And it's so much fun because the matchup makes the game many, many times. And to improve in, in stats like that, that's the core right there. You know, this team is going to get better shooters. I think guys like Dorsey uh, next year, uh, 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 what's the young man's name? Uh, Shelby, uh, I believe it is. Uh, Lee Dorton, Noah Shelby, uh, guys like that. Uh, we got better shooters coming in. And, uh, I think the sh- I think the easiest thing to improve on, and I know that sounds crazy because if you don't have shooters, you don't have shooters. Uh, but it occurs to me that that's one of the easiest thing to improve. You can you can shoot your way into a shoot. You can go in there and you shoot a thousand shots a day, you know, and you can improve that shot. You can improve your jump shot. Bottom line, but I want people who do the dirty. Work, who do the stats like you were just talking about? That's that's to me that's foundational right there. You know, perimeter shooting is important, no doubt, but it's not the foundational piece that some of these other things that you're talking about are. Now, if you have nobody that can score, but or only one, and people can lock that down, I totally get it. But if I'm going to improve somewhere first, that's what's going to be. Here's another thing that is interesting. They are in terms of Ken Palm's experience rankings, which is the people that you're playing on the floor, uh, how experienced are they in college basketball compared to other teams in the country? They're 304. Uh, So that puts them in the bottom 20%. Now that's going to change if they get Robbins and Chapman healthy. I think that just putting those two in the lineup, the minutes they'll play, I think they would probably go to above average in experience, but that's another little piece of context so far that according to this right now with who they are playing it's a pretty green team yeah yeah hey chris uh, you know what i say i'm sorry i missed that Hey, I, I lost you there for a second. Um, let's just go on to the mailbag if you're good with that. Okay. Sorry, again, I'm having some connection issues here on my end. Uh, again, not doing this from my house. Let's see. Let's get into the mailbag, which it is taking a minute to pull up. Okay, our mailbag, as always, is presented by our good friends, Russell Belk. Sutherland at Sutherland and Belk. They are a family-owned injury law firm. If you or a loved one has been hurt in an accident, give Taylor or Russell a call at 615-846-6200. See what your rights are and if they can help. Okay, um, I'm just going to go in order here. Doorfan6 asks, if Vandy beats Tennessee Saturday, do you think a lot of fans will completely change their minds about Clark Lee? Obviously, that will be a tough task. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> Simply put, yes. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, you know what that was. You know, and especially the last game of the oh, and they pulled that one off. Yeah. 
Okay, next one. Who would you pick? This is from VU Matt twenty three to fill the LSU, USC, and Florida jobs. What were the three jobs? LSU, Southern Cal, and Florida. LSU, I have the same name that I've had for months. I'm not going to change that because I think that Joe Bray pretty familiar with that program. Would in, it wouldn't just inject so much excitement. You know, I know it's a fir- uh, it'd be a first-time head coach. I get that. But sometimes you get past that. And I promise you there would be nobody in Baton Rouge who would be angry if Joe Brady took that job. Agreed? Yeah, I, I don't know. I just – a little more risk-averse on that than you are, but you might be right. I mean, I don't think Joe Brady's going to be the guy anyway. What, but... what are you going to put in there then? What, what are you going to put in there? Well, I mean, I have a feeling they're going to go after – well, they are going after Jimbo Fisher. Whether they get him or not, I don't think they will, but who knows. Well, uh, there's been rumors they might offer, you know, 12, 13, 14, 15 million a year, which would be very interesting. The other one, of course, would be Lincoln, Lincoln Riley. Yeah, which has Tennessee fans terrified, which makes me happy. Um, that would certainly be good. But I'm telling you, I, got, I, mean, I promise you my first call would, would be Joe Brady. That would be my first call. He'd have to tell me no because, I mean, I've heard too many people that I trust say this guy is the goods, and they recognize it at an early age. And you either are or you're not. And when that many people say he's the goods, then I'll listen. You know, and and so, and again, remember, this guy's already familiar with that program. You know, I am now. Now, you may or may not agree with me here. I am utterly uninterested in winning a press conference. I don't care about winning press conferences because what I know to be true is that if the wins come, nothing else matters. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter if if you hired. It's well, I mean, like like Herm Edwards, which was I thought was the stupidest hire in the world. You know, right next to Carl Doral. You know, they didn't make any sense to me. But if you can win, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter what the press co- what happens at the press conference. And I think Brady would be a guy that would do that uh, in Gainesville. You know, I don't know what you hear. I keep hearing Billy Napier's name pop up. With, yeah. In in in. Bill. The two most prominent names that I have heard are him. And Bob Stoops, that the money push was to get Stoops out of retirement to take that job. Uh, and Napier, second, I have a – I think the perception is that Scott Strickland is going to be a take your time, do your diligence, uh, hire a – make a good, solid hire, a guy that's not going to maybe blow up on you. That's my words. But Napier, I think, checks all those boxes. Of course, he was a saving disciple. They're 10-1 and one this year. And I just think that he is going to be the kind – I mean, he's got a really great reputation in the field. That would not surprise me at all if that's who they pick, and I don't think I would have an issue with it if I were a Florida fan either. No, I mean, you, 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 I mean it's – you know, I mean, it's, it is, it's Billy Napier. It is what it is. I like Billy Napier a lot. I mean, it's – I pick uh, go after the USC one. I was really stunned that James Franklin got a ten year extension yesterday. Um, the base is already uh, extremely volatile and upset with him. 
you know, I've had a lot of conversations with some with some Penn State fans on social media who just think he's the worst coach ever. And I said, well, you know, I'll remind you that this is a guy who took over in most impossible situation in the country and has won 11, 11 game the Big Ten there three times. You know, did that in a four-year span. You know, and I mean, are they over the hump? I mean, is his sin that they're not as good as Ohio State? Well, there's a lot of sinning going on because almost no one is. Um, I think he's done a pretty darn good job there. I mean, you know, some of the losses at times have been inexplicable, but they're generally, I mean, this isn't a great year for them, but generally they've been a very good football team. Uh, but with all the, you know, the, 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 the volatility right there, right now, I just, a 10 year extension caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for that. Um, for, for USC, that one's a little bit harder. Don't you think, Chris, isn't that one a little bit harder to try to, to nail somebody down? I mean, I suppose you could start talking about some of the names, uh, out there that, you know, what you hear with, 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 when, it, when a coaching search comes up, uh, you to hear the Hugh freezes. Of course, I know he just uh, got, what was, what was it, Chris, yesterday that he got, was it a seven year extension? Was that right? Or was it a four year extension at Seven million, or the other I, way I don't, I don't remember, but One it was, it was a few years and a lot of money for Liberty. Yes, you know. So I'm, you know, what I might have to start doing. I might have to start looking for people who may not be, because I think what's the natural, the, the the natural way to go is we start looking for West Coast coaches, right? Doesn't always have to be that way, you know. Geographically, I mean, it. it you prefer because they know the the high school, they got connections and all this other stuff. But USC has the ability to be a, a, a national name. I mean, even though they're generally recruit on that side of the of, of the country, I mean, I start expanding my my search to guys well outside of the West. You know, if that means going into the Midwest, going to the East Coast. You know what, Chris? So be it. And and guys who may be even happy at their job, but then I start placing calls to people like Dave Clawson. Chris, I start calling places like Cincinnati and looking for Luke Fickle. And I know, I know, you know, maybe one day he's the Ohio State coach. Well, does it look like like uh, that job is going to be coming open anytime soon? I don't think so. Uh, So I start looking at names that generally probably not may not fit a West Coast, but I'm going to throw both of those guys in there, you know, and 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 again, we can talk about contracts. They can be broken. Uh, you know, I don't know that USC would be overly excited with, uh, someone like a Jamie Chadwell, but you know, again, who the heck cares about winning the press conference? ADs might, but again, winning would cure everything, but I might consider I'm one of my first call calls. I, I just, I really like what Dave Clawson has done in Winston Salem. That might be one of my first calls. Okay. You made a comment. And it's been a few minutes ago, so maybe I am not paraphrasing you correctly, but I've seen this sentiment on my board, too. And people are asking, how are these coaches getting this crazy money? It's supply and demand. And I'm going to prove this to you, okay? All right. Um, Name you the 25 highest paid coaches right now. I'm going to go in order. And as I go through, I'm just going to name them off. You hear one you don't like that, like you would not hire for one of those vacancies. You say no, okay? All right, number one, okay. Nick Saban. Uh, two, Ed Orgeron. 
No. <laughs> okay, so that's that's one no. Three, David Shaw. Well, I mean, I'm not going to say no because there was a time when I would have told you he's a top five coach, but something's not right in Palo Alto right now. I don't okay. know what it is. He didn't forget how to coach, but I mean, you say he's the third highest paid coach right now. Yeah. The product, of the, the product is not indicative of that lightly. Okay. But I won't say no, because I think he's a very good coach. So that's one. No, Dabo Sweeney, of course not. Uh, Lincoln no. Riley, of course not. Dan Mullen. No. Well, <laughs> do I need to say anything? Yeah. Well, uh, just for the record, yes or no. Fine. He gone. Yeah. No. Two. Number seven, Jimbo Fisher. Number eight, Kirby Smart. Nine, Ryan Day. Uh, Ten, Gary Patterson. Which is a whole, which is a whole nother situation there. Uh, I've always been a monster Gary Patterson fan. You know. Go yes on that. I don't. Huh? Go yes on that. I, I'll stick. I'll stick with yes because I think he's a fantastic coach. Okay, eleven, Pat Fitzgerald. Twelve. Boy, okay. boy, it's uh been a rough year at Northwestern, man. It has, and and they just cannot move the football. Uh, but this, I'm not going to say no because this year is probably an anomaly in, in 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 at Northwestern this year. They're they're better than they are this year. Okay, twelve Chip Kelly, thirteen Mel no, Tucker. Done good thing. Yeah, thirteen Mel Tucker. And again, I'm just going to keep well, reading these until you give me a no because there's there's several more names to go. Yeah. I think they were crazy to give him that 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 excess money. They got caught up in the in the hype of an undefeated season. But I mean, I think that was a ton of cash to give him. But he's a good coach. I'll I'll be better. He'll be fine. Okay, fourteen. Steve Sarkeesian. Oh man. Uh, you know what, Chris? Let me just say this. Uh, I only really like one other team in college football, and it's Texas. And I, I I'm I, I think. I'm just to the point now where I think the program's just cursed. Okay. I mean, well, let me just say this. Tom Herman, remember when everyone said, boy, boy, he's at Houston and he's doing good, but man, can you imagine him at a, a place like Texas? Yeah. Well, he, he got that shot and good grief. And then it's okay. Oh, well, Sark has reinvented himself, did a great job though seeing in Tuscaloosa. Now he's going to get a chance to show you what he's really learned. He lost to Kansas. Lost to Kansas despite scoring 56 points and this team, despite having, I think, the best running back in the country. Um, you know, they may be worse. They they just, they're the underachieving nexus of the universe. I'm not going to say that about him because it's only one year in regards to a no yet, but he has to have a massive massive turnaround and remember something Chris he's about to head to the SEC what? yeah what if, if you can't if you can't beat Maryland you can't beat Kansas and teams like this if you struggle with the you know the lower le- echelon of the Big 12 how in the world are you going to play in the SEC They've got every conceivable advantage that you can imagine. They don't even have to leave their county and basically can fill up their roster. They've got all the money they ever need, and nobody seems to be able to win at Texas. 
What did it cost him to make that switch? Wasn't it? Wasn't it like a thirty or forty million dollar buyout for Tom Herman? Or am I? I don't know the number. I don't have that figure, but you know, I mean, he needed to go clearly, but they haven't upgraded. And I thought, I thought they did. They have not. Yeah, that was my point. I did. I didn't see him paying that kind of money to upgrade. Okay. 15 Mark Stoops. And what do we always say? But one, one more thing. Uh, but what do yeah. we always say? Oh, you can't hire a defensive-minded coach. Can't hire a defensive-minded coach, not in today's game. Well, Sark is, and Tom Herman's aren't that. Yeah. And and they have as bad a defense as you can possibly imagine. That defense couldn't hold crap in the second half of a football game. I think Vanderbilt would hang 40 on Texas. Okay, let's let's resume with 15 Mark Stoops at Kentucky. Kyle Whittingham no, at Utah I at sixteen. Really like yeah, I, I do too. Uh, well, Whittingham at sixteen. Just destroyed the duck. Yeah, yeah. Uh, like him, uh, Scott Frost at seventeen at Nebraska. Yeah, uh, you know what? Sorry, but uh, now they played harder. They played really well last week against Wisconsin. Uh, do, do you want to know the greatest you know, stat of the football season? And it's Nebraska based. I think Nebraska is plus seven in, in scoring in Big Ten games and one in six in the league. I don't know how you do that unless you lost one game 85 to three. Uh, it's, yeah, it's 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 crazy. You couldn't do that again yeah, if that's, you tried. That's no, no. Um, you know what? For me, it's a no, you know, because right now, but, but then again, I mean, good brief, Chris. I'm going to put it this way. Scott Frost did a far better job at Central Florida than Josh Heupel did. Josh Heupel had three years there. Now, while he had a good record, you know something about him? His record went down every single year that he was the head coach. Orlando. All three years, his record. But they were each year. And Scott, and that's coming off of Scott Frost having an undefeated season, you know. Uh, Heupel gets in there and gets worse each and every year. Now, the thing about that is Heifel's come into Tennessee and kind of turned them around and injected life in there. So where's the disconnect? I mean, you're talking about two coaches who coach at the same exact place with a lot of the same person. Now, one goes off to Nebraska, which theoretically should be easier to win at than Tennessee, given the situation. Hello. Yeah, sorry, I, I lost you there for a minute. The, the, again, the, the connection is not great on this end. But um, all right, let's resume with eighteen. Kurt Ferentz at Iowa. Here we are. All that. I apologize. Kurt Ferentz at Iowa. Yeah. Is that who? All right. Yes. Yeah. I, no, I'm not going to say no to him. I like Kurt Ferentz. Uh, 19 I mean, line. I think that Iowa is limited. You know, I think that Iowa, mainly from a recruiting standpoint, I think they are they are what they're going to be. You know what I mean? I mean, every now and then they have one of those teams that go, you know, 10-2, and 11-1, give everybody a run. You know, Iowa's one of those teams where you get in there, you play good, hard, deep, blue-collar football and go 8-4 and four and be happy with it. Yeah, I'm with you. I like Kirk Ferentz. Um 19, Brian Harson at Auburn. That one could get interesting, by the way. I'm not surprised if he 
tries to bail and get a, a job on the West Coast somewhere? Well, I just, I mean, I, I, I can't believe that he's their head coach right now. You know, <laughs> you know I don't, anybody saw that coming. Uh, and it may not be a great fit. So, I mean, and, you know, look, I didn't have a lot of expectation, expectation for them personnel-wise anyway this year. So, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to say no. I'm going to say no. I don't think he's the right person for Auburn. Okay, so that's that's four no's, correct? Yes. Then we've got Mike Leach and Lane Kiffin. I cannot imagine you saying no to either of those. Pat Narduzzi at Pitt. No Narduzzi at 22 no. at Pitt. No, but, you know, I mean, you, 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 when you have a quarterback like that, it's, you know, he makes up for a lot of sins. But Pitt's a good football team. I like him. No, I'm not going to say no to that. Not at all. Uh, Clay Helton at USC at 23. Uh, I think there's only so far he can go with that program. Yeah, P.J. Fleck and Jeff Brom are the last two. I don't know if there's a mistake. I don't think James Franklin was in there anywhere, which is hard to believe. That that may that may be an error, but anyway, that's your that's your list of twenty five according to this. All right. Well, that's Minnesota and Purdue, respectively, and I mean, I, again, I think they are what they are. So I think they're they're getting value for their buck. I do. I mean, neither one of them are going to be mistaken for a Big Ten champion, but they're they're both going to play consistent football and get to a bowl every year. And and Purdue, you know, I, like I would, I'll just put it to you this way: I, I think Purdue is an improved football team. I was absolutely not surprised even in a little bit when they beat Michigan State. Yeah, yeah, Michigan State, I think, was playing over its head. But, okay, so that's only four out of 25. I thought the number would be higher. I guess if you get it half votes, it probably would have been. I'm sure some people in our listening audience would have taken some issue. Uh, And I'm going to kind of speak out of both sides of my mouth. I think one point I would make is that the number of just home run hires, the guys that are just killing it at the moment, um number is always going to be less than the number of schools that think their home run jobs, uh, top 25 type jobs. I mean, there's probably what? There's probably at least 50 schools out there that think they're top 25 jobs, right? And there's only, oh, yeah. there's oh, only yeah. 20, there's only 25 in top 25. Um, now, I would say the counterpoint of that would be there's always guys out there like a Billy Napier, uh, you know, who's not on that list of highest paid coaches and hasn't done it yet. But I think most schools would be happy to have as a head coach. Uh, you might put Hugh Freeze in that bunch. You know, that that's a different story for reasons we know. But point is, there's a, there's a tree of coaches like that out there. Mel Tucker would have been one of those a couple of years ago. Um, and sometimes you hit with those. And then sometimes there's like a James Franklin out of the blue that nobody had being a stud that turns out to be. So I, I think press conferences where perception meets reality. And I'm kind of with you. I think there's always more good coaches out there that might do the job that don't win the press conference. but the state of college football right now and the media coverage and all those things, uh, 80s want to make a splash higher. And I just don't think there's that many of those guys. And, oh, by the way, this is the other layer to this, right? Uh, You might say, okay, I'd love to have Dabo Sweeney as my head coach or Lincoln Riley or whatever. Um, Well, or Jimbo Fit. Well, chances are most of those guys are not going to leave the place that they're at already. So that really limits your pool. Kirby Smart's not leaving Georgia to coach LSU. Um, I that, that that just really you're once you start adding that in, Ryan Day's not leaving Ohio State to go to LSU, I don't think. 
Um, no. Once you start factoring that in, then your pool of coaches is really small if you're looking for that home run high. It is, but I think you have to be open-minded about some things, not you particularly. But you remember when I was talking about Joe Brady? You know, because that's a right. big job, right, Chris? Right, right. That's a big job. Would we agree? Um, do me a favor. Tell me all the head coaching gigs that Ryan Day had before he took over in, in Columbus. And how's that worked out for him? Uh, you you have look you have or, a point or or, or you uh, you you might say uh, tell me about all the jobs that Lincoln Riley had as a head coach in college football and how's that worked out for him so far? No, I mean those those are fair points. My thing is being a quote offensive minded coach and being a head coach, which really to me is a CEO right now. Those are two very different skill sets. So you may be able to excite people with your offense, but that doesn't necessarily tell me how equipped you are to be a CEO. Now, Joe Brady might be that guy. I don't know. I really do not know. But that's where I would have a reservation that you might not. I mean, think about it like this. Not only have all those people that we talked about are really high on the guy, but Matt Rule thought about enough about him that when he got back to, up to the NFL and got his head coaching job, what did he say? I need this 30-year-old. I yeah, but, I, I, but, I mean, but that's that's not he, a head coaching job. That's a coordinator job, and those are different. I'm well aware of that, but if a guy like Matt Rule says, I need this guy, I mean, it wasn't like he was working with him. So, and I'm sure he vetted him enough to, to say, I, I, got, I, got to, I got to do this. And, and by the way, I mean, how many people, if you're telling the truth, how many of you out there even knew who Ryan Day was? Yeah, your average guy out there listening to this podcast would not know. Never heard of him, and if it wasn't been for the fact that he played, you wouldn't have heard of Lincoln Riley. You know, but it's another one of those guys that, you know, I listen to the people who know, and they say, yay. That's why I roll with that. Okay, uh, next one, Door King asks, did the team play well against Ole Miss, or was it a case of them looking ahead to Mississippi State? And – Who's the starting quarterback next year, right, Seals, or someone else? Okay, give them to him the question in order. Tell me what was the first. Oh, did uh, did did we play well or just Ole Miss overlook us? Played much better than we've been playing. Don't care if they overlooked us. That's their problem. That's Lane Kiffin's job to not let that happen. And, we, look, I get there were some distractions going on. You know, because, well, is Lane Kiffin looking at Miami? Is he going to do all this, all that? I get all that. That's their problem. I can't control that. I can only control what we put on the field. And the effort that we put on the field, because think about it, Chris, did that look like a team that didn't look any – any better on the football field than it had, but that they were just playing a distracted team? Because that's not what I saw. Well, and let me add one thing I meant to add earlier. Did you see how excited those guys were at the turnovers and every time they made a big play? Yeah. I mean, the sideline had energy. Again, you can only control your part of the equation, and I did like what I saw from them a week ago. That's right. This team hasn't won an SEC game since 2019, and to be playing into a, a two-win season and a winless SEC conference season, uh, and playing like that on the road against a top-10 team, you know, with that type of energy, is a very good sign. So I don't really care where Ole Miss was in my case. May be that mine's the old up. And what was the last part of that question? Who will be the quarterback next year? Right. Well, I mean, 
I don't look. You know, I I don't know. Uh, I I don't know how it's not Mike Wright at this point. But you know, here's the beauty of it. You don't have to make that call right now. You got a whole off season. You got a spring and a fall camp. Don't know if there's going to be some quarterbacks coming in from the transfer portal. Uh, don't know how good the the kid out, the kid out of Austin is. You can't imagine him coming in at starting. Never know. But I mean. You know, Ken Seals is, 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 is a fine quarterback. He is. Uh, you know, I mean, is he perfect? No. I'm, I'm the, but there's no way around. There's no way around the reality that Mike Wright and his feet bring a level of, of necessary preparation for the defense. You know, it's, it's just, it just has, he is a threat to keep it all the time. If he can become a more polished passer, passer and decision maker, uh, I, I just, I mean, again, I, there's no reason to even name one, obviously. Uh, but if you made me pick right now, I would probably say Mike Wright. And that's not even me saying he's a better quarterback than Ken. I don't, I don't know that that's true. You know, uh, I just, I just, I think that you're starting to see some things come together a little bit, uh, but we have to do a couple of things, Chris. I don't care who the coach is. I don't care who the coordinator is or the personnel. There's some things we have to start doing. We have to attack in between the hashes more with our passing game. In the I need a quarterback who can stand tall when it's necessary, and 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 you know make make some connections uh, in 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 those in between the hashes. Um, that's one thing. Uh, secondly, you know who's who's better at leading this team? That matters. You know who who does who who do they respond? And and sometimes. Is the better quarterback, but most of the time, hey, my, my apologies. My Are you going again? Uh, my, my internet connection here is not good. Let me just move us on to the next one. Vandy fan ninety six. What does Seabass think of the twenty three commitment in the current state of the twenty two football class? Who would you like to see sign who isn't currently committed? The Reese Mooney commit, I like it. I, I like it for a couple reasons. One, I've been kind of watching him for the last few months. That I've kind of gravitated to. Uh, now, don't get me wrong. I would still like to snag Reed or the kid out of uh, Pope John Paul II, potentially. Uh, and there's one other quarterback, and I can't remember that they're kind of in on. Uh, and I, and I can't remember who that is, but I do like the Reese Mooney commitment. I do. I like that a lot. Uh, and, and one of the other reasons that I like it so much is Chris, you know, I think Georgia and Alabama would certainly be there, but I don't think there would be anybody who would dispute the fact that Vanderbilt has the state of Louisiana over the years, over the last 20 years, I think has been very good to Vanderbilt. They, I mean, I'm not really sure why they they do so well co- recruiting uh, in LSU. And, and don't get me wrong, uh, the one that I would love to have the most would be Jack Beck. You know, I, I'm sure you saw him at LSU. I mean, they may oh, yeah. not be good. That kid is ridiculously talented. How much would you have loved to seen him in black and gold? Oh, 
boy, that kid. But you know, you know, the Trey Wilsons of the world, the Jimmy Williams, and, and we can we can go on. Vanderbilt has had success in the Pelican State. So when we do well down there, I really like to see that. So yes, I like Mooney. I, I do. I, I like I like that pickup a lot. And what was the other part of that question? Um, what I like to see in the in the twenty two class. Yes. Uh, let me tell you what, Chris, I would like to see whoever it is. I'd like it to be on the defensive side of the ball. Cause I like some of our skill position players that we have now. And I like some of them that are coming in. Uh, I want some more defensive playmakers, big playmakers. Uh, I like the kid out of Florida, uh, Bradley Mann. the, uh, I think the, the six, six kid out of Florida, Bradley Mann. Uh, he, he is definitely one uh, that I would take a look at. You know, anybody uh, on and the Wade Woodis kid out of Tampa Jesuits uh, is, is another one uh, that I would take a look at. I really, really, I really want some other explosive playmakers on that side of the ball. And I think we have some good young ones, you know. You know, I, I, of course, I really like Dericky Wright. I think he's turning into, a, he, you know, if he can stay healthy, I, I like him a lot. And we we need more playmakers on the defensive side of the ball, some disruptors, guys who may put a little bit of pressure on the quarterback. So anybody that fits that bill. So, but right now, I think I'm gonna stick with Brad, man, or the kid out of uh, the kid that just decommitted from uh, from a uh, SMU, uh, the Chase Biddle. Yeah, uh, that I, I know they're pretty high on, uh, and they've just recently offered a big time playmaker out of out of I think was it is it Garland, Texas? I think I know he's out of Texas. I might be Garland. Uh, I think a couple of those guys, but I'm going to focus my side my uh, that question on the defensive side of the ball. Okay, I've moved spots in the house, so maybe this will help the internet connection. I've got two more for you before we end. HD okay. Young three. What sort of success and or individual stats does Pippen need to have to at least not hurt his draft stock for coming back? Hmm. It's an interesting question. Uh, you know, Chris, you know me because we've had questions like this before, and I don't vary away from this unless I need to, unless there's a reason to. Um, in the case of Scottie Pippen, you know, I just don't see I – mean, he's a very good foot basketball player. There's, there's no doubt about it. Um, but this is the way I always come back to. And let me give you an example of what I'm talking about. Jordan Wright, okay? Now, there's a great question to ask about Jordan Wright. Why? Because Jordan Wright has completely reinvented himself, not just physically. He certainly has done that. But everything about his game is different other than the hustle because he already did that. But he's made modifications to his game. Uh, in the case of Scottie Pippen, who is a very talented basketball player, what does the NBA – I mean, the NBA – he wasn't even projected to be a first-round pick last year, right, uh, before he pulled his name out of the hat, right? That's correct. So what is he going to do outside of hitting a growth spurt? We already know that the dude is great at drawing contact, as good as anybody I've seen as drawing to contact and getting to the free throw line, which was very curious to me. Uh, with the improvement that you saw in him uh, from one year to the next, uh, to be able to do that. So I already know that he can do that. I know that he can shoot. You know, defensively, he's gotten a little better since he's gotten the Nashville. Actually, he's gotten a lot better. He's not a great defender, but as you used to say, he couldn't defend anybody when he got there. Well, it's the NBA. How 
much defense do I need to play? You know, at least in in the regular season. So I guess what I'm trying to say is the things that he does, you know, and he, his game is not going to change so much from last year to this year that if I'm an NBA scout, I'm going to say, oh, wow, look at this compared to that last year, how improved he is. He's so much better of this than he was last year. I don't see how that happens. It doesn't change the fact that he's a handicap of a basketball player. He's immensely talented. But I think we know, and I think the, more importantly, I think the NBA already knows who Scottie Pippen Jr. is as a prospect. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. yeah I will, and, and so I, I don't, I, and I don't, think that makes it that big a difference. If he, I mean, if he goes out and averages 20 points a game and basically does what he did last year, it's not going to – and remember, he'll be a year older with a lot more wear on him. So, you know, unless there's a drastic improvement in areas that he was considered very deficient, I don't think it makes a difference at all. I think winning and losing or more wins would probably help him. Again, I think a lot of that's going to be dependent on whether they get Robbins and Chapman back, I think that makes a big difference potentially. And and that's beyond his control. But I will tell you one thing in his control, and I think you you have argued against the importance of defense. I don't know that I totally buy into that, but because I think there's degrees of it there. I mean, obviously defense is half the equation, so it has to matter. I there's not a team in the NBA that does it. Well, last year it wasn't. There might be one or two early on this year. There was not a team in the NBA that did not average scoring and giving up triple digits. There is no defense. Now, there is in the finals and the conference finals, but other than that, it is a community center pickup game. Well, you, you play for the finals or you play for the playoffs. I will just say, I, I see a guy, and maybe this is because in the past he's played a lot of minutes, but I would like to see him exert a little bit more effort getting back in transition. Yeah, uh, yeah, I agree. But uh, here's the question. Okay, let's say you see that. This was a guy who may not have been drafted last year. Or if so, second round, bottom of the second round, If let's just say you see that, okay? Where's it going to elevate him to? Is that going to magically make him a first-round pick? Well, it was an issue last year, so you don't know how much the talent guys put into that. Yeah. Yeah, I, look, can he improve his status? Yeah, sure he can with another great year. But like I said, I mean, the NBA likes to punish players the longer they play in college. There's a right. reason that you look at the first round and it's not a bunch of juniors and seniors. It's almost none of them. You know. What I mean, the longer you stay, the more you are punished draft stock-wise. Yeah, Unless I, I don't... you have blossomed into this megastar when you weren't much at, at the very beginning. Yeah, I don't – I mean, I think you're right. I, I think it's going to be hard for him to be a first-rounder, but if it's going to happen to me, those are those are the first things that you pick off the list. Yeah, and see, what I'm hoping is – if so, if he does, it's because he's become such a great facilitator and other people are blossoming. You know what I mean? Because if it's just, God, everybody get the ball to, to, to two, and if, boy, if he's not hot that night, well, I guess we just lose. That's not going to improve his status, even if he balls out like that. I mean, it's going to have to be getting other people involved and seeing the, 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 the whole product being much better. And then because because you and I, if you and I can see it, I, you know, NBA scouts are looking at that because they turn over every stone. 
All right, last one, P-Universe. Do you think the offensive line took a step backwards this year? If so, why do you think they did when based on experienced personnel coming back? Because that unit should have been better than last year. Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, it's that's hard to it's hard to tell, Chris. I mean, I, I I think maybe there was a little bit of improvement there in in some aspects in the last couple of weeks. You know, on at the totality of a season, maybe not so much. But you know what? Here here's the thing. Um, I'm not going to be so quick to judge position coach and personnel in one season uh, with, with a brand new coach and brand new scheme. I, I'm just not going to do that. It takes a while. If I see the same patterns next year, you know, then I'm going to be a little bit more concerned, but there's a couple of, look, let me say this. There's a couple of young linemen on this team that I think have an opportunity. And, you know, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you a guy who I, and I don't know what his P, PFF, uh, score was, but I'm going to tell you something right now. I thought in the times that he played last week, I thought Jason Brooks looked pretty good. I would have Did to look get a up. chance to focus on him. No, I, I didn't. It, it's hard to watch on TV sometimes, especially when you're watching us. I do think that he's great. I'll look it up. Was okay. I'll, I'll, I'll yield the time back to you while I, I look that up. Yeah, that's fine. And, and the reason I say that is because I think, you know, look, I think it looked good. Like he and Castillo, a couple of really young guards uh, on this team, Ashmore is just going to get better as he goes. We, I, I mean, look, I mean, Ashmore was playing as a true freshman. I mean, he's still a young guy. You know, so if you think about that, and Julian Hernandez is just now really getting, you know, playing time. Uh, so the truth of the matter is, this is such a. You know, I mean, am I going to judge him by Cole Clement? Am I going to judge him by Tyler Steen and what he has or hasn't? I'll say this to you. Uh, in the last month of the season, I thought Tyler Steen did a better job with pass pro, you know, uh, in, in some in some situations. And uh, so, look, I mean, it was rough at times this year on the offensive line. I'm not going to lie, especially early on. But I feel like as a unit, they have progressed a little bit, you know, and not that Ole Miss and Kentucky are going to be mistaken for the 85 Bears. Uh, Kentucky's defense is generally pretty salty. Um, but collectively, as a unit, I think they've started to play a little bit better down the stretch. Now, to me, uh, I don't want to see a regression come this weekend. If they can polish it off, because this is a defense you can move the ball on. Uh, if they can protect Mike Wright and move the football around, I'm not particularly going to win the football game. But, again, this is still an extremely young unit. You know, without a lot of proven depth on it at all. Uh, so, I'm, if there's a if there's a position that I'm willing to hold off a grade on outside of quarterback right now for this team, it's the offensive line. Yeah, Brooks graded a 61 last week, which is okay. Uh, it's, yeah, it's okay, it's okay for, but I mean, he has yeah for a guy who's just now starting to play. Right, right. Yeah, you know, I'll take that. Well, I will say, and sorry, I'm being invaded by kids here. Um, they should have gotten more out of the returnees. I thought that they um, – I thought last year they did a better job with the very green bunch. This year they brought in – they had a lot more talent coming back in terms of guys who played before that they didn't have last year. Now, they changed schemes. I think that had a lot to do with it. To me, the run blocking's gotten better. I still don't trust them in pass pro at all. Right. Well, you also have to remember something. 
that before they really ever got going, they lost the guy that was supposed to be their bell cow ball carrier for the season. He was right. gone before he got started. Wonder what it, you know, because I'm going to tell you right now, the, 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 the game of football is littered with offensive linemen who aren't nearly as good as their outstanding running back makes them look. Yeah. You know? um, it's true, Chris. It's true. I'm telling you right now, there are running backs, and, it, and that's vice versa, by the way. But there are running backs that are so good, so patient, uh, that just know how to get it done. Now, look, I get it. There's times when it's it's Katie bar the door, and there's nowhere for anybody to run. But the fact of the matter is, there are some average linemen out there. Uh, but you got a patient back or a guy who sees things that others don't or is capable of getting to the edge just because by sheer speed uh, where it was an all right block, but the running back is so good that, that he made a play out of it. Uh, and you end up having a lot of success on the drive when really that lineman may not really made much of a block at all. Yeah. Again, I, I think pass protection is where I have, uh, a I bigger issue with them. And I, I think that, frankly, I look at some of the grades PFF gave them in pass blocking last week. I don't know that – I don't know. Maybe if I rewatched the game, I would I would change my mind. I think they were um, more generous than I would have thought they would have been. They actually graded better, I think, at pass blocking than run blocking on the whole last week, which I would not have guessed. What if I were to say, were to, say to you that these last two years – they have been blocking for a true freshman and a redshirt freshman. Or did 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 right fresh redshirt freshman, or is he a sophomore this year? Didn't play that much either way. Uh, who's really basically a first-time starter? That's been for the last two years. Who may not quite see the field, and the game hasn't slowed down the way it's supposed to for the really good ones. When that happens, or if you have receivers who cannot get separation from SEC defenders, and the quarterback has to hold the ball longer than a than a, than a normal quarterback would have to do so, or he ha- just doesn't have that field vision yet, you know. And then the quarterback gets sacked, and we automatically, oh, who missed their block? Well, Chris, you have two seconds. That's all you get. Two, two and a half seconds. After that. It's on you. It's on you. But I'm going to get the bad grade here. My guy got you. Well, that ball should have been gone. But it now, wait a minute. It's been it's been an hour and a half. But didn't we start this podcast with the with the talk over talent level? Over what? I'm I'm sorry. I, you're breaking up. I didn't hear what you said. We start this podcast with the discussion on talent level. Yeah. Okay. Never mind. I, I, I don't get it. I, I feel like you're just making some of the points I was trying to make earlier in the podcast is what I'm saying. But anyway, um, done with the mailbag. Well, I, I gave it extra forty five minutes, so. You know what that is. I'm gonna charge you overtime for this one. Right. Your your check will be in the mail. Uh, it'll be almost as yeah. big as mine. <laughs> I'll wait by the mailbox. All right. Hey, uh, <laughs> have a happy Thanksgiving and thank you for joining us yeah, as always, man. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for having me, bro. Happy Thanksgiving.
Thank you for listening to today's episode. We thank our presenting sponsor, Jody Jones DDS. We thank our other sponsors, Sutherland and Belk and MyPerfectFranchise.net. If you're interested in sponsoring this podcast, and that's how we make this work, please email me at chrislee70 at gmail.com. We also ask that you subscribe to our website, vandysports.com. That is $99 a year. You get things there that you don't get here. And, of course, please rate, review, and subscribe where you see our podcast. That helps us get noticed. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at vandysports.com. Follow me at chrislee70. And finally, subscribe to our Vandy Sports YouTube channel as well. Thank you for listening to the Vandy Sports Podcast, which is part of the 440 Network. I'm your host, Chris Lee. We'll catch you with another episode coming very soon.